Thank you, everybody, for uh, coming and joining us for the VMware and AWS together. Uh, it's an honor to be up here to be able to have this discussion with my colleague, Matt. My name is Paul Bockelman. I am an AWS solutions architect with our worldwide public sector. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Matt Dreyer. I'm a product manager at VMware. Perfect. So we're going to get right along here. We have a pretty full agenda, um, pretty, some pretty good stuff to talk about here. Looking at what, we're going to, what to expect from this session, what we wanted to do is be able to present to you both the overview of the relationship and the partnership that AWS and VMware have begun. Uh, as, we, as a testament from uh, yesterday's keynote with uh, Andy and Pat, you, there's, uh, there's definitely a commitment uh, at the highest levels of both organization, all the way flowing down through the engineering, sales, and delivery. Uh, really excited about the partnership. Looking at, uh, we'll also go into a little bit of an introduction as to what is this product and how does it operate? What is it all about? And from that, we're going to actually move into having Matt take a look at this solution and summarize it and give us the VMware view, the VMware-centric view of what this product looks like. What's the look and feel? What's the customer experience? And followed by that, we'll then move into the AWS view of the world. What is really happening underneath the covers? What's the plumbing look like? And then from that, we'll then move into some illustrations of some technical use cases. We feel pretty good that these use cases are a very fair representation of the many different use cases that you may encounter if you're looking to uh, migrate to this solution. And then finally, we'll wrap it up with Matt doing a product demonstration. So why do we want to look at you know, partnering? You know, what is it all about? So when you look at VMware, VMware for decades has been a leading uh, private compute storage and network uh, provider for enterprise data centers globally. They've been in the game a long time. They have a, a very st a strong product. It's delivering to a very large customer base worldwide. That same technology has been able to deliver for a multitude of workloads from smallest website to enterprise databases. And when I talk to my customers, and when I'm having meetings with my AWS customers, and we talk about what they are doing in their on-premise location, more often than not, that answer is always, hey, we're a VMware shop. We've been a VMware shop for a while. So we bring AWS into the relationship. Why? Why AWS? Well, we have global scale and reach, and if any of you were in James Hamilton's uh, presentation the first day, you see how that continues to grow and how significant that gets. We currently have 14 regions globally. We're in 10 countries. We have four additional regions coming on that have been announced, and we're not stopping there. We're continuing to grow that infrastructure. When we look at the consumption economics, you know, AWS is founded on the, the notion, use what you need for as long as you need. Don't use any more than you have to. And then when we look at the, the set of cloud services, we're, you know, when I was preparing for this brief of 70 plus, I think that number is actually pretty far north of that uh, based off of the recent announcements here. And then when you look at the elastic infrastructure on demand, again, going back to use what you need for as long as you need and then give it back. So we look at bringing those two those, these two companies together and our solution offerings together and we believe that we can really deliver a very robust solution that allows customers to really take the next step in that hybrid cloud journey. And so, let's talk hybrid for a second. When 
introducing you know, the, this solution at the keynote, there's the concept of when you go hybrid um, or people that want to go hybrid, it still feels like it's a binary decision. It's either you're doing what you're doing on-premise or you're doing what you're going to do into the cloud. And that presents a set of challenges. It's pretty easy to draw up a hybrid cloud strategy. It's really cool to create the ducks and bunny drawings. But people have to actually build it. People have to actually operate it. And how do you do that? And so there's some common blockers. One of the ones, one of the elephants in the room is you're dealing with multiple machine formats. At the end of the day, if you're going to migrate from an on-premise data center into the cloud, at some point, you're probably going to take an outage. There's going to be some conversion. There may be some time delay between when you start the process and when you can complete it. Now, there's a whole set of tools out there and a lot of different um, third-party providers that, that really you know, help this process along, but it's not as smooth as many customers want it to be. We look at the networks. They're incongruent networks. IP routing is IP routing. I get it. But at the end of the day, there are some pretty significant enhancements and capabilities that can be delivered to the networking uh, organization that's both operating a VMware infrastructure, and then there's a different set of tools if you're running on AWS. And so even though you may stretch your networks or you, you give the appearance that you're interconnecting your on-premise to your cloud-based data center, it still feels a little bit like it's a north and southbound connection. It's not really an east-west connection. <clears throat> so we look at some operational inconsistencies. The way that you operate and manage a VMware environment, it's pretty different than the way you know, you're doing an AWS environment. And so when enterprises are going big time into a hybrid cloud strategy, they're faced with the decision of how are we going to manage this organizationally? We've got people that have, we've made a significant amount of investment in the tooling for the uh, VMware infrastructure on premises, and now we're bringing AWS into the equation. Do we retool the people? Do we ask people to wear multiple hats? How do we handle this? So that tends to be a blocker. Different security baselines. When you're looking at a VMware environment, you have the opportunity to go and touch the host. Somebody can touch the host, and from the host up, you have to secure it. When you come into AWS, we've abstracted that away. So you're now starting with two different baselines from a security perspective. And if you are in a, an industry that's highly regulated or you have to meet different compliance regimes, that can be a bit challenging because now you have two different sets of baselines to operate from. And next, you're looking at the multiple controls different sets of tooling. Maybe you're doubling up your tooling. Perhaps you can have some of your tooling overlap, but are you really getting the full, you know, the full picture that you really want out of your organization? And so what we're looking at by bringing this together, we believe that we can significantly increase adoption of hybrid, hybrid solutions by using these two companies together in the way that we're engineering this solution. Uh, we're really excited about the capabilities that are being brought to bear. And so for an overview of that from a VMware perspective, I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Cool, thanks Paul. Alrighty, so uh, let's start digging in here a little bit. Uh, we'll go through uh, some of the architectural components uh, and then we'll transition back and give you a, a much deeper dive on how you can interconnect these environments uh, with native Amazon services. So let's get started. Well, we start off with in the VMware cloud on AWS is something that we call the software-defined data center. The software-defined data center is a collection of VMware's virtualization stack. This includes a vCenter server, 
an ESXi hypervisor on dedicated hosts, our storage virtualization technology, vSAN, and our networking virtualization stack, NSX. We instantiate this entire environment, bring it up on dedicated infrastructure in a dedicated VPC, and deploy it in Amazon's global infrastructure. This sits in Amazon regions, it is protected, it is connected, and it's ready to roll. This is the same operating environment that our customers are used to deploying on-premise. The management plane is vCenter, and it operationally is very much consistent with what your operations teams are doing today. So the first part of the magic here is making that connection back to your own data center. Right? There are definitely use cases for doing this in a bubble, but we think that most customers are going to have a much more interesting experience when they make this a hybrid connection and use that management plane vCenter to manage both across the on-prem environment and into the VMware cloud on AWS. And again, this is not new componentry. This is not new tooling. It's just vCenter. So the folks in your operations that are running vCenter server are going to have literally nothing new to learn here. Same goes with applications that you've integrated on top of this. So if you've built automation, maybe some power CLI, maybe you're using the vRealize suite, uh, vRealize orchestrator or operations, all of these integrations just work. This just looks like any other endpoint uh, from a vCenter server. Here's where it starts getting interesting. Now that we're deployed in Amazon and we're in a VPC, we can start stretching out and leveraging all of these cool Amazon services. By doing a connection between the VPC that houses your VMware cloud on AWS and the VPC that houses the rest of your Amazon services, you can do some really cool stuff. Stuff that you frankly probably can't do today or have a really hard time bringing up and getting running. And so this is the crux of the offer. You take something that is operationally consistent with what you're doing today, you bolt it onto globally deployed infrastructure from Amazon and have the ability to start integrating into these advanced services. Let's go a little bit deeper. The VMware Cloud on AWS is a managed service sold and supported by VMware. This is a product that we build, we support, and we hand over the keys to operating to our customers. So the point of purchase is with, uh, with VMware, the point of support is with VMware, and the single point of uh, throat to choke is uh, us and our support team. So let's go through each of the individual components. Uh, I realize you all may not be very familiar with uh, the VMware stack, so we'll just go through this in, uh, in piecewise. VMware for roughly 20 years has been uh, evolving and really pushing the industry forward with hypervisors and compute virtualization. Our most recent release, ESXi 6.5, was announced in, uh, at VMworld in Barcelona and just became generally available uh, a week or two ago. When we deploy this environment, we'll be deploying dedicated hosts running ESXi 6.5 on bare metal. This is not nested, this is not para-virtualization, this is ESXi on metal, right? The next part of the solution is storage virtualization. Again, the number one storage virtualization capability on the market today, we take this capability, 
We integrate all of the flash that's in those dedicated hosts into a storage area network, fully enabled with deduplication, compression, erasure encoding, and then we have a, a nice common shared storage for your infrastructure. The next piece of this is network virtualization. Again, you're running on dedicated bare metal, so we need a network virtualization layer to provide interconnectivity and protection within that infrastructure. And so, again, NSX under development for many, many years, very mature, very stable, very robust, provides you with the network virtualization as well as a rich suite of network, uh, networking capabilities, load balancing, firewalling, VPN. Let's talk about some of the use cases for this. We've been working on, on hybridity and constructs like this for quite some time, and these are the things that we've come to hear from customers most often. They fall into three big buckets. The first one is around maintaining and expanding existing environments. We can do this in a number of different ways. The top one that we tend to hear is in geographic uh, and regional capacity. If I'm a company in California and I need capacity in the UK, a great way to do that. If I'm a company in the US and I need capacity into Australia, again, a great way to do that. Disaster recovery and backup is also an obvious one. Right? One of the core tenets of disaster recovery is don't make the disaster recovery point be in the same physical location as the place where the disaster occurred. Right? So instead of building up a secondary location, we can simply leverage the VMware Cloud on AWS to provide that capacity for you. And because you're now running the same software stack in both locations, there's no mangling of the virtual machines when you move uh, workloads back and forth. So very different than most of the disaster recovery solutions on the market today. The second set of use cases comes in around consolidation and migration. We commonly hear customers that go through data center consolidation exercises. These are typically forced as a part of a merger or an acquisition where you've got a bunch of redundancy and maybe an opportunity to do a nice refresh. We also see this in refreshing of old racks, right? If you've got an old rack that it's, that's aged out and is time to go, you'll now have a, a really valid, really viable solution here to say, look, instead of buying one more rack, why don't we deploy a VMware Cloud on AWS where we have capacity and agility and don't have to deal with hardware anymore. The third big set of cases that we see is around uh, seasonal workloads and flexibility. So anything that is cyclic in nature or bursty, I think every company has some sort of high season. Typically when you build a data center, you build for peak, right? If you didn't build for peak, you probably got fired, which means you probably over provision by a factor of 10x. This mode of operation allows you a lot more flexibility and a lot more agility in deploying these environments because you can deploy the amount of capacity that you need for the amount of time that you need in the location that you need. It gives you a lot more ability to react and to plan your environments accordingly. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper and talk about some of the componentry uh, inside the VMware Cloud and AWS. This really is a four-part system. We start with the service console, which is our point of provisioning and billing and, uh, and operational management. The second component is the VMware Cloud on AWS stack itself. 
The third part that is enabled here are integrations with Amazon services. And finally, this is a service supported by VMware. So we'll go ahead and uh, dive into each of these. Let's talk first about the service console. The service console is like any other modern web application that you've ever used, right? It might show up as uh, vmc.vmware.com. It will expose a, a responsive HTML5 interface that works both on mobile and laptop and, uh, and uh, phone browsers. This will provide a RESTful uh, API endpoint, including all of the modern uh, technologies, JSON and uh, OAuth 2, and will allow you to do things like provisioning and billing and uh, resizing of your environments. Again, you're no longer procuring hardware through a, an old process. You can actually provision this stuff on demand straight through the portal. The second part of the, of the system here is the VMware Cloud on AWS itself. This is where we bring in all of the VMware code into the picture. Again, we're running nested, we're not running nested, we're running dedicated infrastructure with ESXi straight on bare metal. So when you choose to deploy one of these environments, one of the first things we ask you is how many hosts would you like to deploy onto? We then go grab those uh, hosts out of the Amazon inventory, stitch them in, uh, install ESXi on them, deploy a network virtualization layer with uh, NSX edge gateways, drop in a vCenter server and NSX manager, and then hand you back the IP address of the vCenter server. We'll get into a demo in a little bit and show you how this actually works. But essentially, we're taking all of the pain of installing and configuring a VMware environment. We're automating all of that and doing that on your behalf. You simply tell us how big of an environment you want, and we hand you back the keys. The third part of this is the new stuff that you can do. And we've talked a long time now about hybrid and what being hybrid means. And usually that construct says I'm dealing with something on-prem, dealing with something in the cloud. I want you to also expand your thinking to consider hybrid between a VMware environment and a cloud-native environment. So let's say you've got a set of applications that you've now moved up to your VMware cloud on AWS. Again, we're running in that Amazon global infrastructure. Now you can do some really cool things, right? It's probably impossible to upgrade an entire application stack at once, but you can start being very clever and very agile on how you do these. So for example, maybe you swap out an old database backend with something cool like RDS or Aurora. Maybe you move files off of a, a local file store into an S3 bucket. We think that there are gonna be an awesome new set of capabilities that uh, come to play with environments like this, and really, again, give you the power and the flexibility to start modernizing your applications in a way that actually makes sense for your, uh, for your business. And finally, this is a VMware sold and supported service. All of the billing uh, comes back from, uh, uh, from VMware. We consume uh, subscription credits that are in your uh, VMware account uh, and have a similar purchasing mechanism to how you purchase VMware today. So not a lot of changes there. Again, one of the whole core premises of this offering is consistency and uh, really nothing new to learn. So with that, let me hand it back to Paul and uh, we'll get detailed with the, the architecture. Thanks, Matt. So we just had the VMware view of the world. Um, time to look at some of the plumbing. Most of the questions that Matt and I are getting is, how does this thing actually work? 
So let's start first on account structure. So from an account structure, there will be two accounts that need to be created and maintained. The first account is created and maintained by VMware. It's owned and operated by VMware. It is a single tenant account. So if you launch your services into AWS Cloud, you get an account that's created for you. Ultimately, any of the AWS charges that are incurred as a part of that account, they roll up through the VMware pricing and is paid as part of your subscription. Each solution, again, is single tenant. Very important to keep that in mind, especially if you have compliance regimes that you need to adhere to. Uh, the story becomes a lot easier because if you think back to the overview that, that Matt just gave about how this is actually being delivered, particularly when you're looking at the storage component, the storage is actually contained and maintained on dedicated hosts that are members and parts of this account. So this account will ultimately be linked up into VMware's master payer relationship. So through the account provisioning portal, that's how you pay that bill. So now we look at the AWS customer account. So key to being able to integrate this thing in such a way that the customer still can maintain control, the customer can consume services on demand, and you have design authority and operation authority, really it's still yours and maintained. We're gonna deploy or require that an AWS account be either provisioned or if you have an existing account with existing VPC already laid out and uh, up and running, you can create subnets within that that we'll, we will use to link these two accounts together. That linkage is what's gonna enable a lot of the capabilities and the different use cases that we wanna be able to uh, meet with this um, to happen very smoothly. So as part of that linking, once we, uh, the customer authorizes the linking to occur, there will be endpoints, VPC endpoints uh, for VMware Cloud deployed into the VPC. Now it's very important that those, those endpoints exist because now if you're connecting from your on-prem location, you're likely gonna be coming across a direct connect, or at least it's highly recommended. You could certainly do IPsec tunnels. But if you're gonna be doing this at an enterprise scale, you're likely to be going across direct connect. Well, if you wanna connect multiple direct connects or you wanna have multiple virtual interfaces, virtual private interfaces attached from different locations, you, the customer, are in control of that. That's not something that you have to go back to VMware and say, hey, can you guys put in a support ticket because we wanna add more bandwidth or we wanna source traffic for somewhere else or we wanna do all the things that we wanna do. You maintain that control as a customer. And as a result of having this account, you also have full access to the, the native catalog, the catalog of native AWS services. They're available to you. Matt just gave a great use case. Perhaps you need to swap out your database and you wanna move over to a managed database service and you're looking to use RDS. That becomes a lot easier to do with this account structure. So let's take a look at some of the pictures. So we're starting on-prem. Typical um, enterprise environment, there's a mix of both physical infrastructure that is not virtualized, although I think that significantly has shrunk. And then you have uh, a VMware environment that's up and running in the environment. Now, if you'll notice, I don't have NSX on here. You know, if you don't have NSX, it's not a problem, it's not a showstopper. You can still use the environment that we're putting into AWS that is using NSX. It's not a problem. What we'll do is you can have the opportunity to drop an NSX, a standalone NSX 
gateway, edge device, into your on-prem environment. And this will help enable uh, key advanced capabilities like the ability to vMotion from your local site out into the cloud. So next, let's take a look at instantiating the actual VMware cloud account. So when that happens, auto-provisioning will occur. You have gone through the vmc.vmware.com portal. You've submitted the requirements that you have. Once that has started, the provisioning behind the scenes will happen. Uh, much of the environment instantiated from AMIs. And then there's configuration and things that will all be automated. It's, it's meant to be a frictionless activity, a frictionless experience for you, the customer, in provisioning it. Once your portal is available and as the provisioning is, or not the portal, but your environment is available and provisioning is occurring, next step is, is you're going to want to either build a customer VPC or link to one that you have currently. As part of that linkage, we then move on to connecting your on-prem data center. So your on-premise data center, we recommend private connectivity. Looking at a direct connect here, again, you could use other methods. Uh, this one we recommend probably would be your best user experience. So but that connectivity, if you'll notice, you're attaching to a virtual private gateway that exists in the customer VPC and not in the VMware VPC. Because if you think about it, there are charges associated with using a direct connect and attaching a virtual private interface. Well, that's not VMware's core competency and that's not what they're trying to deliver here. So those design decisions that you may make as a customer where maybe you want to have uh, your, uh, uh, maybe not a direct connect initially, but you're going to do IPsec, you can make those changes as you're consuming the product without having to necessarily go back to VMware and say, hey, we're changing the environment up. Let's put a support ticket in. We want you, the customer, to be able to maintain the ability to do that. So next, we're going to link the environment. So as part of that provisioning, set of v uh, subnets inside of your customer account will deploy, with your consent, VPC endpoints for the VMware cloud environment. So what does that really look like? So if you're going to route to the ESX hosts, you're going to be routing to them on local IP addresses that are part of your VPC CIDR block. You're not going to try to do some crazy natting. You're not going to staple up a bunch of GRE tunnels and create all this different virtual routing and overlay networks. The VMware is going to be operating and doing that for you. What we want to do is make it easy for you to connect to that environment. Next, if you can deploy and consume any of your native AWS services, it's a regular AWS account. Do what it is that you may have been doing. Don't change what you're doing. You just now have more capability, more opportunities to, to consume these things. But if you'll notice, the ability for the right side of the screen to communicate to the middle is pretty much simplified when we're using the endpoints, trying to make this as frictionless as possible for you, the customer. So let's look at a couple examples. So we've identified four examples that we think if you take these examples or you do permutations of them, pretty much going to probably cover most of your use cases. First one is looking at doing vMotioning. So we're going to take a machine from on-prem and move it into VMware Cloud. Next, you want to copy an object from a VM that's operating inside of VMware Cloud to an S3 bucket. Pretty straightforward. How, how's the path going to pass? Next, we want to look at connecting to a Redshift cluster. Again, you have your application stack running in VMware. 
you want to upgrade the back end or perhaps change uh, the technology that you're using and you want to move over to migrate to Redshift, you can do that. And then the last example is if you have traffic that's being sourced from the internet that wants to connect to a VM that's inside of VMware Cloud, how are you going to do that? So let's go into the first example. So we bring up our architecture again. If you'll notice in the upper left-hand corner, we have a, a VM that happily is living on-prem but wants to be moved over to the cloud on the right-hand side. So with the magic of PowerPoint, we can move it. <laughs> Real easy, right? Come on. Why is not everybody doing this? But Matt will show us actually how it really gets done. Um, but if you'll notice, it's a pretty straight path, and it's meant to be that simple. We don't want this to be oh, there's that third thing you need to learn how to do when you're already a VMware customer or you're already uh, an AWS customer. We want them to be the things you're already doing. So next, we're going to move an S3 object from that machine we just moved over onto the uh, VMware cloud. We want to move it down to S3. So what's the route path? Pretty straightforward. Through the endpoint, we're going to move that object through a VPC endpoint for S3 and into the bucket. Never went out, we never had to hit the internet, we just did this all through private path. The next example, Redshift cluster. How are we gonna to connect to the Redshift cluster? I'm pretty sure everybody in this room can probably figure out how this is gonna operate. Same thing occurs, right? Beginning point, end point, let's just drive the, drive the path, there it is. Meant to be very simple. We don't want this to be crazy. And then the last one is, gets a little trickier. You want to source traffic from the internet to a VM that's operating on the cloud. And you've got this customer account sitting in between. What's that all about? How are we going to handle that? So in AWS world, you would just assign and allocate an Elastic IP. And then you would do an association to that, to either a network interface or running instance in your account. Well, here we're looking at the ability to assign or associate that Elastic IP address to the, one of the VMware endpoints that's in your account. And then we route the traffic to the endpoint, and then the NATing is configured at your NSX edge to do all of the microservices, segmentation, whatever it is that you want to do, your NATing, firewalling, any of the rules, anything that you would be doing in a typical environment, you still do. Now, we want to make this a lot easier, a lot cleaner, right? So you should be able to just go into the NSX edge and say, give me a public IP address, and it becomes self-aware that, oh, you're living in VMware, in the AWS, and it goes and does that for you. Matt has assured me that he's going to make sure that that happens, so we're in good shape. <laughs> you're not committed. So looking at the governance. So, you know, it's great. We've got all the fancy pictures, but we'll, let's look at the governance and security around this. Um, very large segment of the VMware customers are public sector customers, or they're customers that have compliance regimes that need to be met. And so security is still going to be a very serious thing that we need to take into consideration, and we're taking it very seriously. And so when you think about many of the security accreditations that AWS has today, those still apply. In fact, the environment running and operating, the, AWS, the VMware environment operating in AWS gets the advantage of having that infrastructure falling under those accreditation regimes. And then there's additional um, a bit of work that will have to be done to take this environment up to full compliance 
for all the different regimes, but we believe that that's can be a pretty accelerated process. So, but if you look at it from a security perspective, the transit endpoints live inside of your customer VPC. You're in control of them. Now, there may be some things that you can and can't do with them because, well, frankly, we want the solution to work for you. But if you want to be able to do things like uh, change source traffic that's allowed to hit the endpoints, we're talking security groups, ACLs, configure things just like you normally would. Um, so you maintain that security control. Things like flow logging, if you want to put that on, you can do that. It's still, it's your VPC. It's another endpoint that lives inside of your environment. And with some of the new features that have come online with the 6.5 release, we're looking at vMotion traffic as it's able to be encrypted. So moving from one location to the other, within a host, off a host, you can have that traffic all be encrypted. And you still have the option of even in creating an encrypted tunnel between the two data centers as well, so you could double encrypt. There's no, no issues with that, I'm sure. Um, looking at VM level encryption. So the VMDKs, you have the ability to have those be encrypted at rest. So a lot of security is being built into this just by literally taking a solution that has these capabilities and deploying it into an environment that has a whole bunch of security and compliance regimes that have been met. You really start doubling down on security. And then new with 6.5, there's audit quality logging that's now available to the customer from the VMware stack. So we're talking about things with attribution. Joe made a move, he did this on this date, and this was the result. So if you take that and you couple that with the information that you're already getting off of the AWS platform through CloudTrail, through your CloudWatch metrics, your flow logging, you start to see that you have a very robust set of data points that you can very, be very proactive with from a security perspective and from a compliance perspective. And then take the next step. If you're creating those logs, then we can look at automating capabilities with Lambda. And there's no shortage of sessions this week that have probably already demonstrated a whole bunch of those capabilities. They still apply in this case. So this is a fully managed offering from VMware. So from a governance perspective, your operations team will be working with VMware directly on this. If there's an issue with the underlying infrastructure, you don't have to make two calls. Your call goes to VMware. That call, if it needs to be escalated to AWS, will be done through VMware support. It's not something that you need to worry about. Who do I call? Call one number. And when it comes to the managing the infrastructure, so patching and upgrades and all of the new releases, that falls within the responsibility and what uh, VMware will be offering as part of this service. So rolling upgrades, um, upgrading new hosts, deprecating hosts that perhaps are having hardware issues, um, all of those things will be done and managed by VMware. And you as a customer will have visibility into and so, you know, a lot of that activity, but it's not meant for you to have to go out and worry about upgrading the environment. It'll be maintained for you. And so, I'm going to stop being a talking head up here and give Matt the opportunity to do a demo. We've got a couple of cool things here I think that you guys will like. Matt? Okay, let's get dangerous. I'm a software guy. I built one or more of these, and uh, we're going to pray that, uh, that we don't crash. So let's see how this goes. Okay, um, let's go ahead and, uh, and uh, switch into demo mode here, and uh, we'll do a little bit of a, a, a run-through. 
So as uh, we started, we uh, went through the overall architecture, right? Again, this is a four-part system, uh, starting with a, uh, a console uh, down into the VMware uh, Cloud on AWS operating environment, and then attaching to uh, some existing services. So I'm going to walk you through a little bit of a demo that, uh, that will show how all this uh, works together. So let's start with the, uh, the VMware Cloud console. This is, again, that endpoint that's exposed at vmc.vmware.com. It is uh, authenticated with a login using your existing uh, vmware.com credentials. So you'll see here I'm logged in as Mark. I'm logged into the console, and I'm ready to go. And I can come in, and I can create a VMware cloud. So I'm going to, obviously, create a VMware cloud. The first thing I need to do is pick an Amazon region to deploy into, right? This is cloud, so I've got to figure out where I want to put my capacity. And so when we launch this service, we'll start off with the, the Oregon uh, region, and we'll eventually move uh, throughout the rest of the regions in the world. For this demo, I'm going to go ahead and uh, deploy in Ireland, because I happen to kind of like Ireland, even though I'm Norwegian. We'll pick a region. And the next thing we've got to do is uh, tell the system how many hosts that I want to deploy. Again, we're going to go grab bare metal hosts, we're going to install ESXi, and we're going to configure those into a DRS and SDRS cluster. So we're going to, again, give you back a fully operational environment, so we need to know where to start. We'll have some uh, suggested sizes uh, from small, medium to large. If these sizes don't work for you, no problem. You can configure any number of hosts in between that range, uh, and we'll simply go and uh, do the deployment and, uh, and wiring up for you. So uh, for this demo, we'll pick a, a four-host cluster and, again, move on. The next point is to figure out how we're going to pay for it. Again, this is a, a commercial relationship between you and VMware, but we're pretty consistent with the Amazon billing models, right? We could do on-demand on an hourly basis. We can offer some additional discounting if you do reserved clusters for in either one or three years. And we offer payment options either with a credit card or with your existing VMware account and, and whatever subscription credits that you have inside there. I'll go ahead and pick a, the VMware account. And next, we, are, we start getting that integration going between the VMware side of the house and the Amazon side of the house. And we do this with an account link. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take the link, or the account that I've established on VMware.com, and I'm going to link that to a personal account or my customer account that I've created on Amazon. So again, we're going to make this a very simple and straightforward process. We'll pop it up, give it a credential. When you do the, the link here, you're accepting a, a shared um, a permission model. We'll automatically go in and start doing some configuration of the IAM policies and establishing these, uh, these links within the accounts. And again, the idea here is that by the time you get this provisioned, you'll be up and running and ready to go. The whole idea here is not to have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks and make a bunch of phone calls. We simply want this to go through. So I'll go ahead and accept this. Create the account link and move on. My final step here is to uh, accept the terms and agreements, give my new cloud data center a name, and go ahead and create. 
Now when I create, what the VMware service is going to do is it's going to go make a whole bunch of calls into the Amazon infrastructure to do all of the setup. We'll go create a shadow account. We'll instantiate a VPC inside that shadow account. We'll grab the bare metal hosts out of Amazon inventory. We'll attach those into the VPC and install all of our code. So all of that will happen magically fastly, if you can imagine that. And we drop back here then to a view of other things that I've already created. So in this view, you're actually seeing that I've already created two other cloud data centers in my account. I have one in Virginia, I have one in Oregon, and now I am creating this third one in Ireland. So as this goes and, uh, and deploys out, we can take a look at uh, some handy, interesting stuff. Again, these are all self-contained, fully running uh, VMware environments in these regions. And as such, you'll have the ability to link them together and manage them, manage them either as isolated instances or if you choose, uh, aggregate them together with the technology we call enhanced linked mode. Linking those environments, providing a common inventory view, single sign-on, and a lot of uh, policy sharing between those environments. Okay, so let's come back here and see uh, what's been created for us. So I've now got Virginia VMC, Oregon VMC, and Ireland VMC. Let's take a little bit of a look at the topology that we've created inside of each of these. We'll start with, uh, with Oregon. So we'll take a look at a dive. Now in here, you can see that we've got a, a very simple operational dashboard. This isn't meant to be used for day-to-day -day operations. It really is just a, a quick, quick peek into the environment. Because again, remember, your point of integration for this solution is really at the vCenter level, right? We don't want to have to go through a, a new set of abstraction layers to operate these environments. We're handing you back a vCenter server. So this is a bit of a high-level view. I want to show, you, show a bit of what we've done in uh, networking, because this is pretty important. Now you remember that we're instantiating this environment within a VPC, and we're creating uh, endpoints that connect this VPC into a VPC in your own account. But inside the VPC, we're instantiating VMware NSX, and we're taking advantage of all of those capabilities. Everything from doing the interconnections between the physical hosts, to providing firewall and NAT and VPN services, uh, to other parts of the, the infrastructure. And so if you remember the, uh, the environment that I showed before that had the two NSX edges, you can actually see those here on this diagram. This is actually quite literal. On the left, we have the internet. On the right, we have the on-prem environment. In the middle, we have the management uh, components that we've deployed behind a management gateway. We've got uh, the, VM, uh, the VMs that you'll deploy into this environment behind another NSX edge with, that we call the compute gateway. And you'll see that even though this is NSX under the covers, we've done a pretty good job in trying to simplify this. Right? So let's say you want to do a, a VPN connection from this management gateway back to your on-prem environment. Not a problem. Let's say you want to do uh, uh, protect, protect connections inbound into your in vCenter server. You can, again, simply add a, a firewall role. And as I said, if you don't like the, uh, the simple view here, you've also got the option to drop straight down into uh, NSX advanced mode and unlock the full API set of NSX manager to do everything from distributed firewalling uh, to, uh, to deep um, security analysis on, the, on those uh, network packets. And again, this stuff will look 
pretty familiar to anybody that's operated any kind of networking device. It's just standard stuff, firewall rules, NAT rules, VPN rules, okay? All right, so the real magic of the system here is that the environments that we've deployed are just vSphere environments. They're just VMware environments. So let me go ahead and show you what that looks like. So now what I'm going to do is drop down into Ireland and I'll open up my vCenter server uh, here in my Ireland data center. This may not look very familiar to some of you. Uh, this is our brand new HTML5 web client that was just released with uh, vSphere 6.5 a couple of weeks ago. It is uh, consistent with our older Flash client, the, the blue client, if you will, but it is massively faster. Uh, it's consistent in all of the operations, and it is lightning, lightning fast. And so the people that are in your organization that are used to operating in the, the web client or in vCenter server, this is what they know and love. And what you'll see here is that it's very consistent with, the, with what we've already done, right? The view that I showed earlier where we had our three data centers, uh, Ireland, Oregon, and Virginia, we've already stitched these together into this single pane of glass. And the other thing that you can see here is that we've got our on-prem data center as well uh, located in Denver. Again, we're in a common operating environment here. We've got all of this infrastructure running within the Amazon cloud, but it's just vSphere. So doing things like moving stuff around, taking snapshots, making backups, all of that stuff is consistent. So let's just show uh, one of these things. One of the, the fun views of uh, vSphere is that we have uh, hosts and clusters, VMs and templates, uh, storage and networking. I'm gonna go and take a look at the inventory of virtual machines that I have in this system. Again, we'll be able to see the inventory across all of these locations. So let's go ahead and take a look at something in Denver. We'll pull Denver down. Uh, we've got a very nicely organized environment here with, uh, with wonderful folders. And let's go pick this uh, virtual machine uh, that's named ETL service. So again, a standard view. Uh, we can do uh, direct monitoring of this virtual machine. And uh, if we wanna do something fancy like move it, it's just vMotion. There's nothing new here. We're not doing any conversion. We're not doing any mangling. We're not installing any new agents. We're just doing vMotion. This is the standard vMotion wizard that's been in the system since uh, 5.1 or maybe even 5.0. And so this is something that uh, the VMware operators just know how to do. We're gonna move both the compute and the storage. We're gonna tell it where we wanna put it. So in this case, we're gonna go drop it into Oregon. Remember, we're building a four host cluster, so we'll pick that four host cluster. It'll run the compatibility checks that are standard in VMware. We bring it across the storage policy. So if you've enabled your system with storage policy for like high IOPS or low IOPS, we can bring those policies over. Again, nothing changes here. Same thing with networking. Networking, we've got the VNIC attached to a particular vSwitch on-prem. We can map that same, uh, that same network connection over. So here we went from universal logical switch on-prem and we're going to attach the universal logical switch up in our vCloud, in our VMware cloud. Schedule this thing, review, and just let it run. This vMotion will uh, take, uh, take some time, depending on the amount of bandwidth that you have available and other things that you're doing with that connection. But you'll notice here that I didn't do anything to the VM. I just moved it. If you don't wanna do this online, you can, of course, do an offline vMotion, just move the VMDKs over. There is nothing new to, uh, to mangle here. 
Okay. So let me show uh, one other view. You remember uh, with the, uh, the top-level view, uh, again, this portal uh, is available both um, on uh, large devices uh, as well as in a mobile form factor. And so you'll be able to do things like, maybe you wouldn't try this at home, but uh, create firewall rules on your phone. If you had the same luck that I did on the craps tables last night, you would definitely not do this. Okay, so that's pretty cool. But there's always got to be one more, right? We're moving into a, a very brave new world here, and, and one that's really pretty fun. Uh, I've loved all the keynotes this week. Uh, I consider myself a software guy and a builder. And so uh, we've been trying to figure out how to, uh, to end here this thing on a high note. And so one of the things that we become really fond of in a cloud operating environment is APIs and API integration. Okay, so when you take something like VMware Cloud on AWS with a RESTful endpoint, write a little Python code in uh, Lambda, and stitch it up with Amazon Alexa, you can get some kind of interesting results. Now, uh, truth be told, uh, I was planning on doing this in a much, much smaller room uh, with an Amazon Echo. But with my luck, uh, it would probably come back to uh, give me a dollar yo, and so we're gonna go with the canned version instead. So I did this recording um, the other day, and uh, what you're going to see here is uh, Alexa go make a call into uh, the VMware service and have a little dialogue about my environment and actually re remediate a problem that, uh, that is showing up. So we'll go ahead and uh, kick the video and uh, hopefully don't need a, a dollar yo or a, an Orin root shout out in this thing. So here we go. Ask VMware Cloud about my cloud data centers. You have three cloud data centers. Their names are Ireland underscore VMC, Virginia underscore VMC, Oregon underscore VMC. Ask VMware Cloud for details on Virginia underscore VMC. The data center Virginia underscore VMC has eight hosts. Its operational state is running and it is at 87% capacity. Tell VMware Cloud to add five hosts to Virginia underscore VMC. Magic. I just added five hosts to Cloud Data Center Virginia underscore VMC. You like that? <laughs> Tell VMware Cloud to enable Elastic DRS on Virginia underscore VMC. I just enabled Elastic DRS on Cloud Data Center Virginia underscore VMC. That for me is really the cool part about this. When you are able to provision hosts from the cloud on demand, that's pretty awesome. There's also probably a life lesson in here. <laughs> sure. When your kids grow old and go off to college, you may end up talking to an API. <laughs> <laughs> And so with that, well, let's bring uh, Paul back up. Um, uh, we'll wrap up and, uh, and go from there. So yeah, why don't we switch back? I got to pre-switch. we switch back to the other computer, please? Very important. Thank you.
Thank you so much. If you've got questions, uh, we'll be sticking around off stage here this, uh, for a little bit. Uh, we've also got demos running in the booth, uh, and we'll be uh, chucking over there a little bit. So if you've got questions, please meet us down here. Thank you very much, Thanks, everybody. everybody. Have a good show.